0: Karen is the proven expert in addiction treatment. A recent independent study showed that 94% of Karen patients were still in recovery 90 days post-treatment. Visit CARON.org slash real. Karen. Real results. Real care. Real about recovery.
1: Hey, everyone. Welcome back to the Fantasy Football Addicts podcast. My name is Mung, and unfortunately, Los is tied up for a little bit right now with some matters that he needs to attend to tonight though he may join us a bit later on so sadly you will have to put up with me rambling for the most part on this show although our super producer Dan uh, may chime in from time to time. Dan how you doing tonight?
2: I was about to say I'm here.
1: Well yes we just uh, you know maybe this is a blessing in disguise kind of like when uh, we tried to record that without you and tried to Nick Foles you maybe we'll Nick Foles uh, Lose here.
2: I feel like we could have Nick Foles' Lowe's a while ago.
1: <laughs> well, somebody's got to pay the bills. Um, well, I know actually you're about to pull off an upside, upset tonight uh, in our Dynasty League, though you're probably not happy about it seeing as you're trying to rebuild this year.
2: Pull off an upset? I'm pretty sure I've already won.
1: Well, yeah, that's what I'm saying. You've pulled off like, the well, upset. But you
2: say like, oh, I'm doing it tonight, but it's, even though I still have one player left, it doesn't matter.
1: All right, sure. Uh, well, since you've pulled off the upset, uh, how are you feeling about that one?
2: Oh, I want to lose. I want to go, you know, I want to lose every single game. I'm trying to tank well, without looking like I'm tanking.
1: You could probably take a page out of the uh, the Dolphins book here, um, or you could just be as bad as the Packers have been tonight. Uh, either one, that'll probably get you a pretty high draft pick next year.
2: I mean, I'm going for number one. We'll see.
1: We will see. It's been uh, a pretty crazy week already for the Pickums. Los isn't here, but uh, Dallas and Kansas City both lost, both of, both of whom we thought would win. Um, the Chiefs—that was always going to be a close one with how hot Houston has been. But Dallas shocked pretty much nearly everyone, I would think. Um, then uh, you know a Ryan Fitzpatrick two-point conversion away from that Miami that Miami upset that I picked last week, but. Alas, it wasn't meant to be, and uh, I also had a little bit too much confidence in the Jaguars against Sean Payton. That was probably my mistake there, although it evened out uh, because Lowe had a little bit too much faith in Mariota, who got benched against Denver, uh, who ultimately won. And then I called the uh, run-heavy scheme for Pittsburgh and that defense playing well enough to steal a win on the road against the Chargers. And that actually brings us to our Gillette Shave of the Week. It was a game that everyone expected the Steelers to lose, but Pittsburgh did enough on both sides of the ball to steal the win on the road in LA despite playing their third string quarterback. The defense did its job, shutting out the Chargers in the entire first half and then limiting them to just three points until late in the third quarter. On offense, the running backs dominated with the offensive line opening up massive holes for them left and right. James Conner and Benny Snell Jr. combined for 116 yards and a touchdown on the ground, and Conner also had 7 catches for 78 yards and a touchdown as a receiver. He seemed to break multiple tackles on every play, and when Conner eventually left the game with a quad injury, Snell filled in admirably and put the Chargers away in the second half, closing out the road upset, despite the Chargers closing the deficit to just 7 points late in the game. Get your close shave like James Conner and Benny Snell with Gillette. There's a best for every man. Get $3 off your first order when you create an account using the code WELCOME3. And try Gillette's new heated razor, providing comfort with every stroke. And uh, as we record tonight watching this Monday night game, of course, Jamal Williams vultures that touchdown from us Aaron Jones owners. Great. Just great oh all right you uh you have any other any other players going tonight in fantasy dan
2: Um, like i said i have jimmy graham but i don't care because i'm pretty sure i already won
1: gotcha well unfortunately i need both aaron jones and the green bay defense so we'll see how well they do tonight but uh, let's kick off with our thursday night showdown this week kansas city at denver And Tyreek Hill is back, baby. We will see how Vic Fangio chooses to defend against him. But even if Chris Harris Jr. shadows Hill, you're not benching him in fantasy. As we saw, all it takes is one play to make his day. And of course, Mahomes and Kelsey both had a bit of a down day against the Texans, but you're starting them. Don't get too crazy with that. Kelsey's stats have been down a little bit. He's been used a a bit more as a blocker, uh, really, with two of their offensive linemen out with injuries but you're not benching Kelsey. He's going to be just fine going forward. In fact, he slipped and fell on a play near the goal line against Houston that would have been a walk-in touchdown. As for the running backs, though, uh, Andy Reid did tell us that it was going to be a committee in the preseason, and it seems that it will be. Uh, all three backs are being used right now. Uh, most of the work still with going going to LaShawn McCoy, but until this offensive line gets healthy, both McCoy and Damian Williams are just going to be boomer bust flex plays. We'll see how Long it takes for Eric Fisher to get back here. Um, and if I had to pick one of the other wide receivers to flex, it'd probably be Michael Hardman with the third most targets against the Texans. and he also has that big playability with the deep speed. Anything to add here on Kansas City, Dan?
2: Not really. The only thing I, I saw a pretty funny tweet, and I can't remember who said it, and I feel bad because I can't give him credit. But they said something along the lines of I bet Kansas City's defense cannot wait for Deshaun Watson to get on the podium after this game and explain to them exactly what's wrong with their defense, and then they can all collectively go, oh, right, and then it clicks, and they're all good for the rest of the year.
1: (laughs) That that certainly could be true here. Uh, Maybe they'll take a page out of Tony Romo's book as well. Um, In fact, Deshaun Watson, given all his explanations, maybe he'll be the next Tony Romo in the broadcast booth once he's done in about 10, 15 years. On the Denver side here, uh, I would expect this team to continue attacking a poor Chiefs run defense, uh, trying to keep Mahomes off the field as much as possible. We should see a heavy dose of both Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman on the ground. I like Lindsay as a mid-range RB2 this week, and Freeman as a high-end RB3 or flex play. Of course, Kansas City's offense will still put up points, so we should see some passes from Joe Flacco to Cortland Sutton, who remains a high-end wide receiver 3 with upside. And as for Emmanuel Sanders, it sounds like the team is optimistic that he's going to play Thursday night. Um, assuming he's active, he would be a mid-range flex play, um, a bit boomer bust as of late. And then if Denver sticks this formula of running the ball at the Chiefs, uh, playing solid man coverage, we, which we know that they are capable of doing, the Broncos could keep this one semi-close. I'm going to lean the Chiefs here, though, to bounce back. Uh, still not a whole lot of faith in Joe Flacco and Big Fangio here.
2: I would definitely take Kansas city here.
1: Yep. As does Los. So that'll sweep it on this one and we'll move on to our Sunday noon central 1 PM Eastern games. First off is the Rams at the Falcons, man, this, uh, this LA Rams team is really struggling. Their offensive line is not playing well. And in turn golf is struggling when he's under pressure, which is quite a lot lately. Luckily for them, they get to play a bottom five Falcons defense this week. Despite that terrible showing against the 49ers, uh, part of that really was on just how good the 49ers defense has become. I'm going right back to Goff and Fantasy this week. I like him as a low-end QB1 with upside against this terrible Atlanta secondary. It sounds like Todd Gurley should return as well with that quad injury, and if he does, he would slot in as a mid-range running back two for me. Cooper Cup had a down game as well along with the entire offense, but I'm still putting him right back into that mid-range wide receiver one in a great matchup. And both Cooks and Woods are low-end wide receiver twos, but with a lot of upside here. This should be a get-right game for this entire offense, and a much-needed one at that. Also worth noting here, uh, Jared Goff missed a wide-open Gerald Everett on a deep pass that would have been a 50-yard or so touchdown for teams that added Gerald Everett at tight end who really need help at the position, it's a little bit too early to give up on him. Uh, I would hold on and keep starting Everett for now. Of course, the exception would be if Hunter Henry is on your waiver wire. Go get Henry.
2: What What's wrong with this team? <laughs> is it a Super Bowl hangover? Is it uh, they're depressed that they lost? Is it a first place schedule? What's going on?
1: I, you know, it's hard to say. Really, I think it's a combination of things, the biggest part of which is the offensive line that was top three, top five last year. Um, they lost two key pieces, and really the defense has been struggling as well, and part of that too is that the offense just can't stay on the field, so the defense is being forced to play a lot, and they're getting exposed a little bit despite how good Aaron Donald is. And it doesn't help that Akeeb Talib uh, is on IR now with that rib injury, so that's going to hurt them even more. Um, but that said, it's still a somewhat tough matchup for the Falcons here. Uh, let's move on to that side. Uh, I'd like to remind everyone once again that this Atlanta team really should be 0-6 if it weren't for Philadelphia's entire offense being hurt in that matchup against them week two. And even then they had a chance... To win that game, if Nelson Agholor had not dropped that wide open touchdown pass. So here, even though Akeem Talib's out and the Rams defense hasn't been great, uh, this offense has struggled for Atlanta. I have Matt Ryan as a low end QB one here. Um, Devontae Freeman he's been getting more work with Ede over Edo Smith as of late, but Freeman remains a low end RB two in a tough matchup here. Though his receiving usage is somewhat reassuring for a decent floor in PPR formats. However, I certainly would not expect two touchdown catches for Freeman again. Um, Jones, you're starting. He's a back-end wide receiver, one in this one, and Austin Hooper, a top five tight end every week given how he's being used here. Calvin Ridley, too. He scored a touchdown against the Cardinals, but hasn't really gotten many targets, and I'm not sure that Matt Ryan's going to have a ton of time to throw deep in this one. If I had to flex a Falcons wide receiver not named Julio, I would still go with Mohamed Sanu over Ridley this week both of these teams are playing poorly but uh, I think the Rams defense is still going to toughen up a little bit more than the Falcons here so I will take the Rams to bounce back on the road
2: I'm going to take the Rams too only because Atlanta's just been terrible like Austin Hooper is their wide receiver one and if we I feel like if we were to say this last year that Austin Hooper will be their basically their best receiver this year I think no one would believe that.
1: Yeah, it's, uh, I mean, it's pretty shocking how bad this team is. Part of that is a lot of injuries on defense, but this offensive line hasn't been playing well either. Um, Los is taking the Rams here as well, so we're going to sweep this game also. Moving on, the next matchup here we've got is Buffalo at Miami. Uh, I, honestly, I'm not really sure I'd play any Dolphins player right now against the top five Buffalo defense. Maybe Kenyon Drake or Mark Walton as a desperation running back five if you're really struggling with buys in deeper formats. Uh, Preston Williams, a wide receiver five, two if you're desperate. Uh, that's, that's about it. And, uh, do you disagree with
2: anything there? I mean, if you're trying to tank, I'd start all your Dolphins.
1: Right, but if you're trying to <laughs> win in redraft, uh, that probably isn't going to really help Yeah,
2: No, don't start any of them. <laughs> yeah.
1: Um, Gusecki, too, I mentioned just because he had a couple of connections with Ryan Fitzpatrick. But, again, this is a team that really you want to avoid in both real-life pickems as well as in fantasy. So let's move on to the Bills here. Uh, this should be a perfect game to ease them back into things after Buffalo's bye this past week. Josh Allen I love as a mid-range QB1. Got tons of upside in this one against the bad, bad secondary. John Brown, I like him as a mid-range wide receiver 3 with upside. We'll see if Xavier Howard is healthy enough to return for this game, as that's the only reason I don't have Brown higher right now. If Howard is out again, then I would bump Brown up to a low end wide receiver 2. At the running back position, both Frank Gore and Devlin Devin Singletary, excuse me, should be nice flex plays here, assuming that the Bills lead this game most of the way. And if you're desperate, both Dawson Knox and Duke Williams have upside against this poor Dolphins secondary. We'll talk about them a little bit more in the waiver wire section later. Williams, in particular, is interesting as Buffalo traded away Zay Jones, so he could become a preferred red zone target for Allen as that big slot wide receiver and definitely the tallest out of the Bills wide receivers. I'm going to take Buffalo here as the heavy favorite.
2: I mean, I think you have to take Buffalo here. It's basically Buffalo is going to be playing nobody.
1: That's uh that's correct. Um, Los takes Buffalo as well. And Vegas has Buffalo at, uh, uh minus 1100 as the favorite. So that's oh, pretty, uh, that's pretty confident. I would say, um, Almost as confident as uh, the Patriots minus 1,400 last week against the Giants.
2: Hey, they almost, like, the first half of that game, man. <laughs> yeah, they've been, we'll, you know. We'll talk about that later.
1: Well, yeah, I, the the Patriots have actually been uh, keeping it fairly close in the first half. If you recall, they were only leading 7-9 to nine against Washington a couple weeks ago. Um, kind of like their Super Bowls, where they start slow, and then the defense especially just kind of takes over in that second half. Uh, but certainly you're not betting against Buffalo here, and we'll talk about New England pretty soon, as you said. This next game here, uh, Jacksonville at Cincinnati. The Jaguars lost a tight one at home to the Saints, but they get a nice matchup here for a bounce back. Minshew is held to 160 passing yards and an interception with no touchdowns, and then Fournette rushed 20 times for 72 yards with a nice six catches for 46 yards on top. He's a top three running back this week against the bottom ranked Bengals run defense. And Minshew I like as a high end QB two worth streaming this week. The wide receivers were limited to three catches for 53 yards and then for DD Westbrook and then three catches for 42 yards for DJ Shark. So this game did not go well against the Sean Payton defense and uh, this one, however, should get turned around for Jacksonville. I like Westbrook as a low-end flex play, and Shark as a high-end wide receiver too, with upside. Again, fire up all the Jaguars against the Cincinnati team. Any notes here, Dan? No, all not right. really.
2: Cincinnati's bad. <laughs> that's
1: oh man, that's a hot take. Uh, not really. I mean, we're
2: talking about all these bad teams all in a row. I'm sorry, like these are all these are all easy picks for me.
1: Yep, yeah, as my uh, my one friend Ryan from Cincinnati would call them the Bungles. Uh they are coming off of a one-score loss here. Better than expected against the Ravens, kept it fairly close, but uh, a bad day for all the skill players in fantasy. Joe Mixon was held to 8 carries for 10 yards and then two catches for 29 yards. Uh just quite disappointing against the Ravens here. Tyler Boyd was held to three catches for 10 yards and Auden Tate actually was the best receiver here with five catches for 91 yards, and all five of his catches were really, really nice grabs. Um, He's someone worth monitoring in dynasty leagues, but uh, for redrafts, you probably don't really want to start him as anything more than a wide receiver four here against Jacksonville. And then uh, really uh, mixing just a high-end running back three or flex play here. The Jaguars haven't really allowed any big games to running backs outside of Christian McCaffrey. Uh, Gio Bernard is still being used a ton in the past game as well which eats into Mixon's production so don't love him here and then Tyler Boyd he's a low on flex play if you're desperate he should do better in this one than he did against the Ravens but again not a whole lot of upside here for any of the Bengals players against this Jacksonville defense even if they're still without Jalen Ramsey I will right, we'll take Jacksonville here
2: obviously Jacksonville
1: yeah, you know, I, I don't think this one's a lock, but uh, I definitely think they're favored, and Los agrees. Really?
2: You don't think it's a lock?
1: I don't think so. Um, Just the fact that Cincinnati kept it close against Baltimore, got to give them some credit for that. They're still winless, but uh, I don't know, crazier things have happened, especially at home. Uh, I think, again, uh, the Jaguars are favored, but uh, I, I think there's some question to this one, unlike the other ones that we've talked about thus far.
2: All right, whatever. <laughs> uh, but
1: <clears throat> excuse me, but uh, we certainly all three of us agree here once again. Uh, sweep it for Jacksonville. The next game here, uh, Minnesota at Detroit. The Vikings uh, have played pretty well against that Eagles secondary, but Matt Patricia's defense has played pretty well this season as well. Um, we'll see how they withstand Aaron Rodgers and company tonight. With no Devontae Adams. Again, um, this Vikings offense really just blew up against that Eagles' secondary or lack thereof. Stephon Diggs had a huge day, seven catches for 167 yards and three touchdowns. Cousins, uh, you know, he had a great day as well, but Detroit offers a tougher test here. I just have him as a mid range QB2 this week. And then I'm still hesitant to rank Stefan Diggs as more than a boomer bust wide receiver. He's probably going to see a lot tougher coverage than what he did against the Eagles. And I still prefer Adam Thielen from a fantasy ranking perspective. I've got Thielen as a low end wide receiver too here. And of course you're not benching Dalvin cook, despite a slightly slow day against that tough Philadelphia front seven. Incidentally, uh, Diggs was part of the reasons you pulled that upset this week.
2: I did. And I, normally I would love it. <laughs> uh, uh, Minnesota's really good, uh, but their line, their offensive line is not. And I really think, and I, I know we haven't talked about Detroit yet, but based on how they've looked so far in this game against Green Bay, and I just really think they might give give that, that Minnesota line a hard time, I don't think this this is Minnesota's going to get out this easily.
1: No, I don't think so either. And uh, excuse me, got a frog in my throat tonight.
2: I mean, just look, Um, I'm I'm sorry to interrupt you, but just look at what the Bears did to them a couple weeks ago. Yeah, I
1: know. Yeah. Um, Well, I I wouldn't call the Lions defense quite as good as the Bears, but point taken here, um, certainly this Lions defense has been playing pretty tough against the Packers tonight. Um, But their offense, I think they're good enough to play against... The Vikings at home. Uh, Stafford I still have as a mid-range QB2 here, Uh, and even though Carry-on Johnson has a face of a tough front seven here, we saw that Miles Sanders got free as receiver against the Vikings. Of course, the question is how much Carry-on Johnson will get utilized in the passing game over JD McKissick. I've got Johnson as just a low-end RB2, if that, and then we'll see if Xavier Rhodes stays on one side or if the Vikings choose to shadow Kenny Galladay, but it's a tough matchup regardless. I've got Galladay as a high-end wide receiver three, Jones a low-end flex, and then we'll see about TJ Hawkinson, how effective he is. I will take, actually, uh, Detroit here.
2: Oh, man, I was going to take Detroit too because they're at home. It's such a toss-up, though, with these with these divisional games.
1: It's it, it really is, and I think, I mean, we were talking before tonight, and you mentioned that. If the Lions win this game, they're in first place in the NFC North, and if they lose, they're in last place. And that's how close this division is right now.
2: I think it's the only division in football right now where everyone has a winning record.
1: Uh, I, I don't have the fact check, but I will take your word for that. It sounds like it uh, could definitely be right here.
2: I, uh, I'm like 95% sure on that.
1: Yeah, uh, I think I think most would agree that the NFC North is one of, if not the best division in football right now. Um, Los is the detractor here. He's going to take Minnesota. So we'll see about that one. Uh, certainly. I, th- I feel
2: like that's because Los hasn't been watching this game so far. Well, I would give him a chance to change his mind if he'd like.
1: That's fair. He's, uh, I mean, I don't know what he's doing, but, uh, I don't know. Well, uh, you know, this is another one I could see going either way. This is a tough call here. Um, I ended up leaning Detroit because they do have the home field advantage in this one. Next game here, we've got Oakland at Green Bay. The Raiders have an extra week to prepare for this one. But this Packers pass rush is still pretty tough. Um, I would have probably avoid Derek Carr. Uh, Tyrell Williams, just a flex play here. Uh, if he can punch in a score, he's been pretty good in the red zone. But we'll see against this secondary. And really, uh, Josh Jacobs is the only viable great play here as a high-end running back two. We should see quite a bit of rushing attempts uh, attacking that Green Bay, excuse me, that Green Bay run defense. And then Darren Waller, you've got as a low-end tight end one. He's still getting used a lot, uh, getting a ton of targets. But keep an eye on the rookie Foster Moreau, whose stats have been trending up. With the Raiders lacking receivers who can separate, especially with Tyrell Williams a bit banged up. And then on the Green Bay side here, uh, we'll see tonight, Aaron Rodgers has looked good but not great. Uh, Of course, uh, it helps or it doesn't help that Aaron Jones dropped a wide open touchdown in the end zone, uh, though perhaps I suppose that's why he plays running back and not wide receiver. And then Oakland uh, has played fairly well on defense, all things considered, uh, after that upset against the Bears. But Rodgers should be able to handle this, especially at home in Lambeau here. I have Rodgers as a low-end quarterback one this week, even though we haven't really seen any big fantasy production from him outside of that game against the Eagles. The Raiders' run defense has been pretty good as well, but I still like Aaron Jones as a mid-range RB2, though it's a little disconcerting uh, how much Jamal Williams is getting used in this game. And then we'll see uh, about Devontae Adams, but he is expected to be out again. Uh, He said that he has not practiced yet, Uh, he's calling the injury quote-unquote major, so certainly not good signs. Until we see him practice, we would likely assume that he is out this week. Uh, Marquez Valdez-Scantling also just left this game with an injury. Not sure what exactly happened there, but that's somewhat concerning. We'll see if he plays next week or if he's able to return even for this game. Um, If he plays, I have MVS as an upside flex with Oakland giving up a lot of points to opposing fantasy receivers, and if not, that would bump up Jeronimo Allison a little bit here. Uh, I've got him as a low-end flex for now, but certainly his ranking would go up if both Adams and Marquez Valdez-Scantling were to be out. Jimmy Graham should also benefit from a Raiders defense that's giving up a ton of points to opposing tight ends, especially with those added targets with Adams out. He's a decent low-end tight end option here, though he hasn't done too much tonight yet against the Lions. I will take Green Bay at home.
2: I just want to comment on that turf toe. Uh, So didn't AJ Green have a turf toe injury not that long ago? Maybe like maybe two or three seasons back. Am I thinking of this wrong?
1: Uh, I think that sounds right.
2: So he was out for a while, but I actually, if you're a longtime listener of this podcast and the times that I've been on, you probably know that I'm a huge Bulls fan. So back when in the Derrick Rose era, when they were really good, Carlos Boozer, who was their, like, signing of that year when they made that big playoff push, they won 60 some games, they were first place, he was out for, like, I want to say, I don't know if it was half the season, but it was close to it with a turf toe injury. And if Devontae Adams is saying that this is a bad turf toe injury, he might be out for longer than we expect him to be. And I'm I'm just saying, like, I, I feel like this injury lingers for a long time. I remember the same thing with A.J. Green.
1: For sure. And we saw that, uh, you know, even right after that injury, uh, I believe it was against the Eagles. um, He could barely walk on the sidelines, so it could certainly still be a few more weeks here. Definitely, uh, as we've said on our injury section before, it's an injury that really affects planting and and jumping, especially for wide receivers, uh, pushing off with that foot. So definitely something to monitor, and hopefully you have backup options Um, If you own Adams, then who knows? Depending on your records, you know, that's a fair point. I think maybe you could look to sell him if you need wins now. Is that, what do you think?
2: I mean, I don't, that's a tough call. Uh, Yeah, it would really depend on your options because I feel like a lot of people probably took him like in the first, with their first pick, maybe even the first five picks if it's a PBR league. Right.
1: But I think there have been a lot of wide receivers who've been serviceable or even more than serviceable if, if the Adams owner happened to pick up a DJ Shark or a Terry McLaurin or even a Mohammed Sanu and they've been getting by. But uh depending again, if you're if you're four and one or four and two or five and one with a really good record, whatever it might be, certainly hold on to Adams, but if you're, you know, one and five, two and four, and you, you need to make a push to not get eliminated from the playoffs right now, then there's uh there's something to be said. Uh, maybe it's time to sell Adams for some running back or wide receiver help right yeah, now.
2: I, I think if I had a losing record like like one or two wins, I probably would.
1: Yep. And I think uh that's definitely worth considering here. Uh Los- I'm, gonna, I'm
2: gonna take Green Bay here too. Yeah, Even though I, don't I was want just to. about
1: to say, I assume Lowe's and you both take Green Bay against Oakland. Um, certainly they could surprise again, uh, but uh, probably not. The next game here should be really interesting. Uh, two AFC South opponents face off here. Houston, red hot after their win in back-to-back ones, uh, scoring over 50 points against Atlanta and then stealing one from the Chiefs on the road. Both Matt Ryan and Lamar Jackson outscored Deshaun Watson in week six in fantasy, but I at least got it right ranking him over Patrick Mahomes. This week, I'm not quite as high on Watson. I had him as the number one quarterback last week, but I still like him plenty as a mid-range QB1 here, especially with Colts safety Malik Hooker likely out for another week or more. DeAndre Hopkins continues to lack those big Big plays or targets in the red zone uh, only had one against Kansas City which turned into an interception I'm not saying to bench Hopkins but I think it's time to move him down in weekly rankings uh, I have him more as a boomer bust low-end wide receiver one range along with guys like Odell Beckham and then Will Fuller remains as inconsistent as ever uh, just a week after having three touchdown catches uh, he dropped or barely missed on three long touchdown passes from Watson this week against Kansas City Fuller continues to be that boomer bust wide receiver three. And then Carlos Hyde remains a high end running back three option. He's both Houston's primary rusher and he's getting the goal line work as well. You should see a lot of work again in what should be a pretty close game against the Colts. On the Colts side here, uh, I don't love Marlon Mack. The Texans are better at stopping the run than they are against the pass. They're ninth in passing yards allowed, but just 22nd in rushing yards allowed. Um, Mac still is a decent low-end RB2 option here, especially if he can punch in a score, but Naeem Hines could actually be a decent low-end flex in PPR if the Colts get behind in this game. This also makes Jacoby Brissett a nice high-end QB2 streamer here. T.Y. Hilton has historically been great versus Houston, so that helps Brissett as well. And Hilton I have as a high-end wide receiver too this week against the Texans secondary that's going to be without their number one cornerback after Bradley Roby uh, suffered a hamstring injury against the Chiefs. He's going to be out for about a month, so could be a huge day for both Hilton and Brissett here. It's going to be tough to predict a target share behind Hilton. I think one of these Colts wide receivers or tight ends will have a decent day, but really I would avoid the rest of these guys. Um, the wide receivers, uh, if I had to pick, I'd pick Deion Kane or Paris Campbell, but that's more for DFS than for redraft. And the Texans have actually been pretty good defending against opposing tight ends. We saw that Kelsey had a fairly quiet day, so I don't love either Ebron or Jack Doyle this week. This is going to be a toss-up going on the road. Uh, I'm still going to take Houston here, I think, coming in with that momentum with two straight big wins in a row.
2: Oh, divisional one, got to take the home team. Oh, but maybe I don't. Yeah, I'm going to take the Colts.
1: Yeah, for me, it's just that the Colts, I mean, they have a good offensive line and with both a good pass and run game, but their strength is probably more so in the running game, which is what Houston's better at stopping. So uh, again, injuries to the secondary on both sides here. I just, I think the Houston's are hot, so I'm going to quote unquote ride the hot hand here. Um, Los agrees with you though, Dan, he takes the Colts as well at home in this divisional matchup. Next up, we've got Arizona at the Giants. Uh, you know, as I said about Arizona at Atlanta on last week's show, this should be another high-scoring affair. Both offenses are on the up-and-up. Both defenses remain bad. I like Kyler Murray here as a mid-range QB1. David Johnson is a mid-range RB1. Larry Fitzgerald as a wide receiver 3 with upside. And if he's back, Christian Kirk would also be a wide receiver 3 with upside. Max Williams got a touchdown against the Falcons, but I would not count on any consistent production from an Arizona tight end for now. On the Giants' side here, a lot of injuries to break down. We're going to see if Saquon Barkley, Sterling Shepard, and Evan Ingram can all or none make it back for this game. This is a great matchup for Daniel Jones, though. Um, He's likely to get at least one or two of these guys back. I like him as a low end QB1 this week. If Barkley is active, of course you're playing him, and it does sound like he will be. Uh, he was trending towards playing last week, but they kept him out on that short week against New England. But reports are very optimistic here. Um, and if not, Wayne Gallman should be back from his concussion, but Barkley is likely back. So you're not. Uh, Gallman is probably droppable at this point. Shepard, Sterling Shepard would be a low end wide receiver too here if active. And if not, I kind of like Darius Slayton as a high-end flex play. Daniel Jones has shown good rapport with Slayton, and Slayton has been making some big plays and could break a big one against this bad Arizona secondary. And of course, if Evan Ingram plays, you're playing him as a top-five tight end given what tight ends have done against the Cardinals. But if he's out, Rhett Ellison is a desperation tight end too who has quite a bit of upside. He played every single snap, in Ingram's absence against the Patriots, so he could have a big day if Ingram were to miss this one. I could see this going either way, uh, but I'm going to take the Giants at home, especially if they get some of their injured players back, especially Barkley here.
2: I'm going to take the Giants too. I think they're better than they look, and and it really it's just the difference between Daniel Jones not making as many rookie mistakes every week he plays
1: yeah, for me, the the tiebreaker here. Both Murray and Jones are playing very well, and like I said, both defenses are bad. So it should be high scoring. But if Barkley's back, I think he's going to be able to to grind out some runs at the end of, at the end of this one and break I a actually, couple big. Knees.
2: I actually don't think the Giants' defense is as bad as you're making them out to be. Mm,
1: I mean, they're not good.
2: <laughs> I mean, you're saying it's a twenty point loss of the Patriots, but one of those was wasn't it? Um, was it one or two? One was a special teams touchdown and one was uh, a pick six, right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Um, that, I mean, well, it that's, wasn't that's, a, that's it was a fumble defense. recovery.
2: Oh, that's touchdown. right. That's right. But, that's right. um
1: Yeah, I I wouldn't I wouldn't read too much into that just because one it was a Thursday night game with high wins. Um the pick was definitely the wind just took that ball and then two I, I just I don't have faith in the Giants defense at all. I I I think that was a fluky game.
2: I think I think the Giants defense is average. You're trying to say that they're bad.
1: Um, well, let's see here. What's uh what are they ranked against the quarterback? Let's take a look here.
2: I bet they're I bet they're exactly average. They I'd say they're between fourteen and sixteen.
1: They have given up the seventh most fantasy points to opposing quarterbacks. That's fantasy.
2: That's not real life, that's fantasy.
1: Sure, but, I mean, that's what I'm talking about here with Murray. I think he's played very well in the last couple weeks. So I I think, I I mean, I would be confident in starting Murray for fantasy at the very least. But uh, we do all take the Giants here, so let's move on to another NFC East team. uh, Not so good. Um, San Francisco at Washington here. The Niners look really legit with the run game and the defense being the two strongest factors right now. Uh, Garoppolo's a decent mid-range QB2 option, despite not having had many big games thus far. Um, the run game, of course, is great. In the backfield, Tevin Coleman seems to be that 1A. He's playing more snaps and getting the goal line touches. But Matt Breda's still very much involved. He's getting similar number of carries and targets in the passing game. I would have Coleman as a low-end RB2 this week against a weak Washington defense. The Niners should be playing with a lead for a lot of this game. And then I have Raid as a high-end running back three or flex play. He could always break a big play as we saw against the Cleveland Browns on Monday night last week. Dante Pettis, his target share continues to trend upwards, but Pettis is still just a wide receiver four at best. George Kill remains the most reliable receiver on this team, and of course he's a locked-in top three tight end every week. On the Washington side here, as expected, Adrian Peterson had a big vintage performance against that bad Dolphins defense. Uh, That interim head coach emphasized the run game, and so it was. However, that's easier said than done now that they're facing a very good Niners defense that limited the Rams running backs to just 79 rushing yards and no touchdowns on Sunday. Chris Thompson also left the game against the Dolphins with a foot injury, so we'll see if he plays this week. As of right now, I have Peterson as a low-end flex play, especially if Thomas is out. He should be a little bit more involved in the passing game, but neither are great options even if Thomas, or excuse me, Thompson plays. Terry McLaurin, I have as a low-end wide receiver three. I'd expect a tough matchup here against Richard Sherman and Jimmy Ward, who's playing well coming back off of that injury. And then, uh, really this Niners defense, they've Allowed just the seventh fewest fantasy points to opposing wide receivers, so would not expect another huge day for McLaurin like he did against Miami. I'd expect the Niners to stay undefeated here and handle this shoddy Washington team with relative ease.
2: I'll take the Niners too, but but let me ask you something. So so the Niners, if they continue this trend up to the trade deadline, and I've heard some rumors, not really like real, but like little little feelers out there that aj green would be a great fit on this team well i'm just wondering what you think about that Mm. like like if they're if they end up in first place which they could i mean they are but if they end up in first place in their division and they're trying to make a push do you think they try to make a move for like a wide receiver like that because that's obviously what they need
1: That'd be interesting. Um, I think safety would be good to target too. Jimmy Ward has had a lot of trouble staying healthy. I mean, he's great when he's on the field, but, uh, really he's a, he's a big loss whenever he misses time. Um, but certainly Kyle Shanahan with a true number one X receiver. Uh, I mean, that would benefit the offense a lot. I don't know if it will happen, uh, but green certainly has been the subject of a lot of trade rumors. So I could, I could definitely see it. I mean, San Francisco, just, New England's always a, a rumor that gets passed around for any player. Um, we'll see, I guess.
2: Yeah, that's fair. I just, I just don't think New England uh, wants. I don't think they would pay what uh, the Bengals would ask for, for 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 that. I don't
1: know. Right. Um, yeah, I don't know. I, I, that's all speculation at this point. But Adrian Green would certainly have a ton of fantasy upside in that offense. All right. Uh let's move on here. Wait, uh, wait, who does Los want oh, does he want Washington? I bet he
2: does. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll go
1: with that. <laughs> He's uh I need to catch up. I'm still two games behind him in our pick'em, but yeah, we all we all take San Francisco here, um, run it. So moving on. The LA Chargers at the Tennessee Titans. Man, the Chargers just I feel like every year they have a lot of hype going into the preseason. Then they have some injuries, then they have some terrible choke jobs and Here we are yet again. They look awful. Uh, Rivers, just a mid-range QB2 here going on the road to face a pretty decent Tennessee defense. Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler are cannibalizing each other's fantasy production, and neither is more than just a flex play against this Titans defense that stopped the run pretty well. Keenan Allen could also struggle a little bit, uh, but he remains a low-end wide receiver too. Still one of the safer options out there. Mike Williams I've got as a wide receiver three or mid-range flex play as well. He's getting targets, but still not 100%. We saw him leave the game briefly against Pittsburgh. And the best matchup here really is the recently returned Hunter Henry, who looked spectacular in that first game back against the Steelers. He's a mid-range tight end one here against a Titans defense that's allowed the seventh most points to opposing tight ends. On the Titans side, uh, they've got quarterback issues of their own. It's yet to be seen whether Marcus Mariota or Ryan Tannehill is going to start after Mariota got benched against Denver. Derrick Henry struggled against the Broncos' run defense as well, but he's a mid-range running back too with some upside here. If that Titans offensive line can run block even half as well as Pittsburgh did, I would avoid probably all the pass catchers with this QB uncertainty. Um, It's likely to be a run-heavy game script trying to mimic what the Steelers were able to do. But Delaney Walker, still a high-end tight end Titan too, just given the lack of startable tight ends right now in fantasy. This is another one I could see going either way between two mediocre teams, but I will lean the home team Titans in this one. Uh, just The Chargers just seem like they don't have any fight left right now, and I don't know that going on the road to Tennessee is going to fix that.
2: I feel like this is the most forgettable game of the week seriously like when you look at some of those other bad teams or at least playing like somewhat interesting irrelevant teams this game right here is the one that's going to just happen and nobody's going to watch it and i'm just going to pretend it's not going to happen and not pick somebody yeah. but no having said that I, i'm going to go with the chargers just to i guess combat you okay 50 50 chance here you know
1: no i could definitely see that the uh the chargers are the most up and down team, and they play well one week and poorly the next week, and then bounce back the following week. So I could definitely see that. Um, Los does take the home team Titans as well. Next up here, uh, we've got the New Orleans Saints. Oh,
0: is this
2: Los? Yeah, it is. I'm answering it. Hey, buddy. Hello there. We're recording already.
0: I I got that. What what are you guys up to?
2: Sorry, you got
0: uh, Nick
1: Foles. You actually don't need to be here.
2: Yeah, I'm just gonna hang up on you right now.
0: <laughs> Ooh, exed. Ouchies.
2: By the way, I picked Washington for you earlier over San Francisco. Oh, please no. <laughs> <laughs>
1: No, we gave you. We gave you the Niners. You actually came in at a really good time because we just got to the Saints uh, against the Bears.
0: Oh my goodness. Horrible timing. A dreadful game. Yes. Sad um, to watch, but we'll see what happens.
1: We will see. Um you want to kick us off with the Saints? We we literally just started when you called.
0: Absolutely. Are are we currently live? I'm sorry. Oh, oh, we're, oh yeah, live. we're
2: definitely live. Yeah.
0: Oh, okay. Uh, sorry, there, I, I had to fight off a pack of wild dogs. I actually couldn't get my keys, but now everything is all set, and we are ready to go. We'll pack of so wild dogs. Into... Okay, Bell. What's that?
1: I said, okay, Bell.
0: That sounds like well, something Garner Minshew would do. These were actually dogs. Dogs. Like the, the the I mean, there's a reason that they're nature's number one predator. And um, I I can tell you, I was feeling the heat. But that'll lead us in. Uh, enough about that. New Orleans at Chicago, yeah, another week, another win for Teddy Bridgewater. Uh, This is going to be tough for him in Chicago, and yet again, I'd avoid all but Kamara as a back-end running back one, and Michael Thomas as a wide receiver one, also back-end. Jared Cook did convert his three targets for a touchdown, but he's a tough pull here in Chicago. I think this is a week to lay off of him.
1: Yeah, I'm not even as high on Kamara or Thomas as you are, especially Kamara with that both the knee and the ankle injury here. Bridgewater has been adequate as a backup, but it's going to be a tough matchup on the road. Uh, This Bears defense is well rested after their bye. Um, I I dropped Kamara down actually to a high end running back two this week. Just not sure about the snap count. Uh, He's questionable with both of those injuries. Um, I don't love Latavius Murray, uh, even if Kamara is out. I just don't see a whole lot of production here. You likely don't have better options, um, If Kamara is active, you're playing him, but just don't see a ton of upside, uh, despite what Josh Jacobs was able to do two weeks ago. And I also dropped Michael Thomas to a high and wide receiver, two this week, just given the matchup.
0: Yeah, just hard to, it was hard for me to justify pushing him down any further with Chubb and McCaffrey, you know, with, with the buybacks, uh, you know, on their buys.
1: Oh, I still did it. <laughs>
0: I I see that. I see that. Well, you're a very, very strong man there, Monk. Uh, The Bears get two weeks to prepare, but uh, Mitchell Trubisky has not looked good enough to get the job done. Allen Robinson will have a tough day as a back-end wide receiver, too, against Marshawn Lattimore, and the rest are too inconsistent to call. Uh, I don't love the running back situation versus New Orleans, though we may start to see a little more work for David Montgomery. Do we want any piece of that work? Probably not just yet. Uh, For now, Robinson is the only possible start for me.
1: This is going to be an interesting game on both sides. Uh, We've got two good defenses and two back quarterbacks, and yes, I am aware that Mitch Trubisky should start this week back from his shoulder injury. Um, I'd avoid Trubisky is just a low-end QB2 here. Robinson I've got as a high-end wide receiver three. And Montgomery, I think if you're desperate, uh, he's getting a ton of the workload right now. He's a touchdown-dependent flex play. But that offensive line is pretty, uh, pretty concerning, especially with the right guard, kind of long, being placed on IR now. That line was already struggling, so even past the bye, uh, you know, there's a lot of issues with this offense here. I could see, I could definitely see another 13 to six type score like uh, New Orleans and Jacksonville just had on Sunday. Uh, But I will actually flip that. I'll take the Bears at home. Uh, It wouldn't shock me if Bridgewater gets a couple big plays in late for upset. But as of right now, I'm sticking with the Bears.
0: Yeah, my, my my mind tells me that I think New Orleans is going to win, but I think it would be too crippling for my heart to pick against Chicago. So I'm I'm gonna pick the Bears here. Baltimore at Seattle. Baltimore Wait, won another AFC North hey, hey, game. Hey, Dan, and they are winning. Dan's hey, been picking. I've been as picking well, every so. single oh. time.
2: Newcomer to this podcast. Well, I'm sorry, <laughs> baby. Tell me something ahead of time. What do you mean? I've been I've been filling in for you this whole time. You really should have been Nick yeah. Foles.
0: Yeah, but I haven't been listening. Oh,
2: sure.
1: Would that
0: would that make you right? Gardner how, Minshew? How would I possibly yeah, know right. what you've done?
2: <laughs> Maybe I am Gardner Minshew. Maybe Mung's right. You coming forget, in here making I just all the good picks. Off. I just beat off. I, I just whoa whoa whoa! My what did you Why were you? Why were you late? Wild
1: dogs. Oh, okay, all right.
2: I'm I'm gonna take Chicago here in a probable like three to six game.
1: Yeah. and I mean
2: uh in all honesty, I, I think it would be like
1: a like a go like seventeen to thirteen.
2: You think a touchdown is gonna to be scored? I, I do game?
1: think there will be a touchdown.
2: Okay. All right. Let's Baltimore
0: at Seattle. <laughs> Baltimore won another AFC North game, and they are well in control of that division. Uh, Lamar Jackson showed his dual point scoring ability with 236 yards passing, 152 yards rushing, and a touchdown. Remains a mid-range quarterback one, solid floor all around for him. Mark Ingram was good enough, 13 carries, 52 yards, and a touchdown, plus two catches, 22 yards in the air. The only receiver of note was Mark Andrews, who's not a receiver. 6 catches, 8 targets, 99 yards with a fumble on one of those stupid tight end hurdle moves that just need to go away very very soon. Marquise Brown wasn't active this game, um, but if he's back, he's solid. He has solid flex upside against Seattle in, in a return here. Uh, Abreu is a must start tight end. Ingram is mid-range running back too with that touchdown upside. Uh, this week we did see a little more of bite into his workload from Justice Hill and uh and Gus Edwards, but you know, he is still leading the day.
1: Well, really, Ingram's losing the most work to their number one running back, Lamar Jackson.
0: Fair enough. Fair enough.
1: Um, Of course, uh, as you said, he's still a mid-range RB, Two Got that touchdown upside. So still like Ingram here, as you do. And we'll see about Hollywood Brown here. Uh, As you said, he's got plenty of upside if he's back for this one. Let's move on.
0: 300 yards, two touchdowns for Seattle and Russell Wilson on top of 30 yards and a rushing touchdown. He just keeps making it exciting as a quarterback one week to week. Chris Carson is getting high end running back two looks and gets a Ravens defense that has been a tad softer versus the rush. Now with the defensive tackle back on the field, they are looking a little more stout, um, pretty good against the uh against the Bengals, 24 carries this week with pro spelling his carries will disley was pulled from the game with an achilles injury looked like an achilles rupture leading the wide receivers to go five catches 75 yards for lockett Four catches, 69 yards for Metcalf. The rarely spotted Jaron Brown pulled in two touchdowns of his own, and that's just what happens in Seattle. I think Locke it's a wide receiver, two here, and Metcalf should be able to shake deep for a nice deep catch or two with some flex value here at home. Uh, poor went out for Disley. He looks great, but could be another Hunter Henry who flashes potential and then ends up on the IR. He's droppable in all redraft, uh, in all redraft formats, but perhaps a buy low in Dynasty.
1: Yeah, and uh, the Ravens secondary is still pretty banged up here, certainly like Wilson, Lockett, and Medcalf here, as well as Chris Carson. Um, my only note here is actually just a story that I saw on Twitter from Ben Arthur, one of the Seahawks reporters. Um, Pete Carroll said, so there was a touchdown drive, one of the, the, I believe it was the second touchdown drive that ended with the Jaron Brown touchdown. Um, where Russell Wilson's helmet malfunctioned and he couldn't hear anything from the radio and uh, afterwards Pete Carroll said that he was very fired up when Wilson's helmet stopped working in the second half and that he was excited to see Russell Wilson work his magic and according to Pete Carroll, Brian Schottenheimer the offensive coordinator though was screaming for someone to get the helmet comm issue sorted out so uh, <laughs> just interesting to see there yeah um, uh, you know, we, we've we've noted before the uh, inefficiencies of that Seattle offense. So good to know that Russell Wilson can overcome.
0: I mean, that's that's just like job security right there, right? If if Russell Wilson's out there winning games when Schottenheimer can't even be contacted, then then how do you how do you maintain your role as an offensive coordinator?
1: Yeah, that's probably why he was pretty uh pretty flustered. <laughs> but um, yeah, I will
2: take Seattle Sun- here.
0: I also will take Seattle here. Is Dan gonna put a pickin' on this one?
2: I'm gonna take Seattle because they have, in my opinion, the current favorite for the MVP, Russell Wilson. Yeah, oh, I don't I don't know nice. if
0: there
1: is another argument right now through six weeks. Uh, Christian McCaffrey? Maybe, but I'm
2: <sighs> it goes to a quarterback. Yeah, guy. it's <laughs> I think
1: the point is that the quarterback is the most valuable position. So really it's gonna be Tell that to
0: Charles Woodson.
1: Well, I'm, you know, he he can spout off all he wants, but uh, at the end of the day, he's not right. You can you can all tell right. him that, you can tell him I said that.
0: I I will actually I I'll no I'm not I don't know Charles Woodson how could I how could I possibly tell him that <laughs> Sunday night football Philadelphia at Dallas. The Eagles had a tough day uh, against the Minnesota pass defense and uh, and pass game. Wentz was okay behind 300 yards, two touchdowns, one interception, and will be a back-end quarterback one here in Dallas. He really needs Deshaun Jackson to get healthy. Elshon put up a nice 10 of 12, 76 yards and a touchdown, with Ertz just four for 54 to Goddard's five for 48. Um, Jordan Howard was expectedly limited to sub-50 yards by the Minnesota defense, and Miles Sanders, the rookie, had a nice day day shaking free. Three catches, 86 yards, and a touchdown with only six yards rushing. Look for another split with Sanders and Howard. Howard's a back-end running back two, if not running back three, versus Dallas. Sanders is a PPR flex option that is emerging here. Elshon is a wide receiver three this week. If DJX is back... Throw him in as a boomer bust wide receiver two option. Always like the upside. Um, Jordan Howard, I think, I think we've hit the uh, precipice with him. I don't, I don't really think that we're going to see too many fantastic games going forward with their schedule.
1: I don't think so either. But I also don't think he's going away anytime soon. So if you got Miles Sanders, I would, uh, I'd probably try and sell high after this game. I just, I don't see that workload changing much for the rest of the season. Fair enough. Fair enough. Um and then real quick uh, about Deshaun Jackson i am of the mindset that if you've been holding on to him with this news trending that he's coming back or if he has or maybe you wait until after he has a big game um i think Jackson is a sell uh, i was reading a report that he this groin injury is something that normally they would have surgery on but he wants to wait until after the season so really it's going to be kind of an issue that needs to be managed so it could flare back up if he kind of strains it again at any point for the rest of the season to me that doesn't sound super encouraging i I just don't know that i think he's going to be one of those questionable for a couple weeks play a big game and then questionable again for a couple weeks Uh, is that something you might agree on or do you have a different thought
0: well you got to figure you have two groins right so if he has surgery then that puts one out of commission for sure. But if he doesn't, then he has a shot at having two groins. And if he loses one, he's still got the one.
2: What?
1: <laughs> I don't <laughs> even know how to respond to that.
0: I'm sorry. No. has got a. Well, well, hold by on. Wait, wait, hold up.
1: So it, <laughs> okay.
0: You do, really want to explore this?
1: No, I just want to say. So is, do you have him as a buy, a hold, or a sell as of right now?
0: I'll hold. I, I definitely hold on to him.
1: Okay. All right.
0: I mean, there are miracles of modern medicine. Like, if if Will Disley can come back from what most never come back from in, in less than a year, Cooper Cup, less than a year, he's got a grind strain. It could go away altogether. It could get back, or it could, you know, heal very very well or it could nag you're absolutely right but the way that he's <laughs> changed this offense if if we're looking to sell Deshaun jackson that i honestly think you've got to sell the entirety of your philadelphia eagles because this team just is nowhere near as good without him on the field right now
1: mm, i mean no but wentz is still doing well enough in fantasy where i don't think he's a sell per se but point taken yeah,
0: but he could do so much better he was doing so much better with uh with him on the field he opened that oh, field sure. he let Ertz shake free Ertz hasn't been uh been making owners all that pleased himself.
2: Wentz also would be much better if, you know, his receivers right. stopped dropping their passes.
0: Which if Deshaun Jackson was on the field, we wouldn't have to have that bum, Nelson Algalore, dropping passes and babies.
1: Yep. And uh I guess the real question is are we buying, holding or selling
0: Dallas? <sighs> Well, Dallas just got. I think. I think everybody in Dallas is selling Dallas right now. Dallas got embarrassed by the winless Jets, and Dallas always seems to put together losses in games they really ought to win. Uh, we do get a nice matchup for Dak here versus that Philadelphia defense. Should be a quarterback one here. Uh, if Cooper's out, I have Michael Gallup as a high upside wide receiver, two this week. They've showed the ability to get him the ball early and often. Uh, if Cooper's in, both he and Cooper are must-starts here. And then, of course, you're starting Zeke. Hang on to Pollard. That's about it. But um, you may, you make a good point about potentially selling.
1: Yeah, things went downhill real quick for Dallas after Amari Cooper left on that first drive with that quad injury. Um, A lot in this game is going to depend on whether or not Cooper can play. This is the same injury that kept Todd Gurley out against San Francisco this past week. So supposedly it's minor, but he's been playing through a lot of stuff. So we'll see right now. It doesn't sound super optimistic from Dallas. Um, I I like Dak Prescott as a mid-range QB1 if Cooper plays, but If Cooper's out, I would drop him to a high-end QB2 here. Um, Michael Gallup, too, really struggled with Cooper uh, out. Wasn't able to take away that coverage, and he'll be just a flex play, um, although he would have much more upside if Cooper is healthy. Mm. And then Jason Witten, I have as a high-end tight end, too. He should have a decent floor in PPR uh, if he gets quite a few checkdowns against that Dallas pass rush with, I think, Tyron Smith and Lyle Kellens are probably both still going to be out for this game. For me, this really comes down to the health of Amari Cooper. If he's healthy, I'm going to take the Cowboys, and if he's out, I'm going to take the Eagles.
0: I am taking, uh, okay, hedging. Just hedging all day. I'm taking Dallas either way here. Um, it's Philadelphia doesn't have the extra secondary to, to put on Gallup that's going to stop this team. That's just not going to happen. But and is, I, I could, but is uh, Prescott I, I going to have time? What?
1: But is Prescott what? going to have time to throw is the question.
0: Oh yeah, he moves around. He's not—he's not just standing there to get hit.
1: Okay, all right.
0: Dak Prescott makes time. I have—I we could sniff out a bet here on Gallup because you're way too low on him. How about f- thirteen points?
2: Um, in full or half PPR?
0: Full PPR.
2: <laughs> uh, I'm gonna
1: pass on the bet. Like I said, it wouldn't shock me if he had a big game. Fifteen I points. Just, well, again, it, it comes down to Cooper for me. It just, mm, mm, right? It, it's, mm, for me, it all comes down to whether or not he plays. Okay, how who does Dan pick? Mm-hmm.
0: How about if We're Cooper... We're done waffling. <laughs> all right. I'm,
2: I'm going to take the easy... I fended
0: off wild animals today. You don't understand. No, you didn't. You need to be decisive in life. You got to go for it. You got to grab it and pull it to you.
2: You, pull, you, 12 you, you points fended on, off wild animals, and you're not even taking the wild animal in this game. That's the
1: oh, oh, he got you there. I'm
2: going to oh. take the wild animals. Well, that's
1: because I
0: wrangled those wild animals like a cowboy.
1: So Dan takes Philly <laughs> is the point. <laughs> yes. <laughs> okay. I, I think that's what we got. All right. Gotcha. Okay.
0: Monday, Monday night football. New England Patriots at your New York Jets. The Patriots get the long week to prepare for the new look. Darnold led Jets. And I I can't say I'm too worried for the skill players here. Tom Brady did throw for zero touchdowns, but rushed for two on sneaks versus the Giants. Don't expect that uh, all too frequently. Julian Edelman nine catches, 15 targets, 113 yards with Josh Gordon just one catch, seven yards with a early injury. They are thin at pass catcher, uh, you know, wide receiver or tight end right here. And if they can't get healthy, expect a solid PPR running back to finish for james white he should pick up a good amount of the the slack there decent enough production for sony michelle as a as a flex here if burke heads back i think he could maybe start either in a flex michelle has just not been good this year though
1: right and part of that is brady stealing those two qb sneak touchdowns but uh, true very you know, true Say la vie um I do like Brady as a low on QB1 here, as you said, with the running backs. White, uh, running back two in PPR, Michelle Flex. Um, Burkhead might be back with that foot injury, so, you know, if you're desperate, I guess, but uh, probably an avoid. Edelman I've got as a mid-range wide receiver, two. Gordon, a boomer Bust flex play, and Philip Dorsett may return as well um, from that hamstring injury a couple weeks ago. So if he plays, I'd have him as a wide receiver four with touchdown upside. Of course, you're playing the Patriots defense in fantasy, but I want your opinion on this, Los. Um, I was having a conversation with, uh, you know, Rick in our Dynasty League.
0: I've heard of him, yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah, so um, <laughs> I was talking to him about the Patriots defense in a, a different redraft league that he's in, and if you mm-hmm. own them with their bye coming up in week 10, uh, you know, they're still going to be really good in real life all season, but... It's probably unlikely they're gonna they're gonna keep scoring so many defensive touchdowns, right? I mean, pick sixes are hard to are hard to predict even for great defenses. Yeah. um plus their schedule gets harder in the second half of the season. I told them to maybe explore trading them for a running back two wide receiver two, you know wherever you need help. Uh, would you agree with that? or are you yeah if,
0: if, if you could, absolutely. do you think somebody would do that?
1: Yeah, I think depending on the league, uh, that's definitely an option.
0: Yeah. Okay. I mean, yes, I, I, I absolutely, hands down. If you can trade a defense for a top 20 running back or wide receiver, heck, even top 24, I mean, I know that's that's a hard thing to say week to week, right? But somebody who, who's who got the value there, yeah, I think that's a no-brainer. What and then about, you piece like, it together on the waiver wire like you should have. Right. Um, I rather think... than overdraft a defense like you had to to get the Patriots, right?
1: <laughs> yeah, I, I think that's that's the point here is that they're going to be unpredictable, even though they've been super hot down the stretch here. Um, would you would you take like a Marlon Mack or a Matt Breida for them?
0: Oh, he's he, absolutely, absolutely.
1: Okay, what about uh, going down? Maybe like a Lashawn McCoy? Not not as safe of a play, but
0: mm, McCoy, I'd probably rather not. There's just so much uncertainty that I have with that backfield and McCoy's age and his health status. Um what about, but that's just uh, because of him himself. Somebody somebody that I'd be more sure on. What about that's like a Carlos Hyde production? Pardon?
1: Like a Carlos Hyde, what about him?
0: Oh. No, I don't have him as a running back too though.
1: Okay. Um what about wide receivers? Uh DJ Moore.
0: Not DJ Moore. No.
1: Okay. Um hmm. Calvin Ridley.
0: I'd have to recheck Atlanta's schedule, but probably
1: Okay, what about John Brown?
0: Oof. I like his schedule 5 of the next 6 weeks a lot, but I also like the Patriots schedule in in these coming few weeks so probably not Jen brown he doesn't have as great of a uh, playoff schedule
1: okay but you're definitely willing to move on from them for the right players yeah
0: it's at least a discussion absolutely
1: okay all right let's uh uh you know also just a quick note they re-signed ben watson as well so maybe in deeper formats uh worth a look at tight end if you're desperate
0: but certainly
1: not super confident in him given that they released him before they re-signed him
0: (laughs) do you think it's worth bringing up brandon bolden because I really didn't want to, but something compelled um, me.
1: No, I don't think so. With, I think with, especially with Burkhead back. If Burkhead were out for the season, maybe he's worth talking about. But as of right now, no.
0: I I think it's worth bringing him up only in that like we've seen this more than once now with him coming in and taking touchdowns. Michelle is in trouble. Like even with Burkhead out, Bolden is is taking is taking Michelle down. Yes,
1: I, I agree with that, but I still don't think Bolden's worth picking up except on, no, on like no. super deep leagues and if until if and when Rex Burkhead were to be out for a long stretch of time.
0: And what about the rookie? When's he going to get activated? Uh, never. <laughs> that's that's a fair point. Um, although
1: right. <laughs> uh, the other rookie, I know you were talking about Damian Harris, but Nikhil Harry could practice this week. Oh, so yeah. for deeper leagues, yep. if you need wide receiver help, Yeah,
0: that's yeah, all I got. <laughs> feel, yeah, keep an eye on him. Absolutely, uh, the Jets got a big win off the Cowboys, and now they look to get dismantled at home against the Patriots. Sam Darnold open up with uh, three hundred and thirty-eight yards, two touchdowns, and an interception versus Dallas, connecting on five catches, one hundred and twenty-five yards, including a ninety-two yarder to Robbie Anderson, and returning to tons, uh, returning tons and tons of throws to Jamison Crowder, six of nine for ninety-eight yards. Uh, I don't see any way the Patriots allow production from Anderson, so I'd avoid Darnold and Robbie Anderson here. Stark Crowder, though, is a solid PPR flex, and Le'Veon Bell is high-end running back, too. Neither will probably score a touchdown here, but they both should see enough passing work to maintain value.
1: Yeah, I would love Robbie Anderson, if not for this guy named Stefan Gilmore. Um, Mm -hmm. for right now, I, I agree. I would avoid Robbie Anderson. Um, they're definitely going to try and take him away. I I think, uh, you know, you're on the right track here. I agree with Crowder as a PPR flex. Um, I don't have Le'Veon Bell as a high end running back too. I just don't see a ton of production here, but he's definitely going to be involved. He's been a workhorse back. I've got him as a low end RB two, just due to his usage as a receiver, but, even then, those Patriots linebackers have been closing quick, so I don't see much yards after the catch. I just I don't see a whole lot of upside here for the Jets in general. Um, yeah, I mean Anderson I've got as a boomer bust wide receiver four, and that's that's about it. Um, Chris Herndon we'll talk about on the waiver section after New England. The Jets schedule eases up a lot, so um, I've seen a lot a lot of stuff on Twitter about buying low on the Jets offense, and I will agree with that one. The Patriots are pretty hurt on offensive line and at receiver, but this defense should continue to carry them, especially this week, so I'd be hard-pressed to bet against Belichick uh, with 10 days to prepare against any team, much less the Jets.
0: I will take the Patriots.
2: There is nothing I hate more than having to pick a primetime game that's not on a Sunday against a a divisional matchup, and...
1: You mean like tonight?
2: Yeah. I, and, and Meng, you know I didn't want to pick one for tonight.
1: I know. I know.
2: Uh, and I mean, that's proving to be correct so far. This game is still kind of ludicrous. But anyways, I think I'm Luda. still going to pick the Patriots because I I really think that Belichick hates the Jets like almost more than any other team in the league. I don't know. Correct me if I'm wrong. Just It just seems that way.
0: Uh yeah, when Rex Ryan was there, I think that was definitely true, but now they just sort of exist.
2: Yeah, I guess maybe you're right.
1: I mean, <laughs> they've got cool green uniforms.
2: They do look pretty nice.
1: We've got four teams on by this week. Uh first off Cleveland, uh, you're, you're gonna be missing Baker Mayfield, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham Jr., and Jarvis Landry. And on Pittsburgh, uh you're gonna be missing James Conner, Juju Smith Schuster, Deontay Johnson. And Vance McDonald. Tampa Bay, uh, you'll be missing Jameis Winston, Ronald Jones, Peyton Barber, Mike Evans, Chris Godwin, and OJ Howard or Cam Brate. And then Carolina, you'll be missing Kyle Allen and Cam Newton, Kristen McCaffrey, DJ Moore, Curtis Samuel, and Greg Olson. Moving on to injuries here. Um, first with the quarterbacks, we of course have Mason Rudolph with that concussion from two weeks ago. Uh, He is questionable still. He was out cold for a few minutes, so the severity of this uh, could determine a bit of a longer period for him to make it through concussion protocol. Uh, However, having already practiced last week, Rudolph is likely to return this week. We've got Mitch Trubisky with the shoulder dislocation. He is questionable but likely to play. Chicago has already released their third-string quarterback, Tyler Bray, which strongly suggests that Trubisky will be ready for this game. Cam Newton with a Lisfranc sprain in the foot. They are on by this week, but he may return in week 7. We'll see if he is the starter if and when he's ready. And then we have Drew Brees finally with the surgery on his UCL ligament on the thumb. He's likely out until week 7 or 8 at the earliest. At running back, we've got Alvin Kamara with knee and ankle sprains. He is questionable but likely to play. He hurt his ankle during practice last week, but he did play against Jacksonville. Camaro left the game briefly after someone fell on his knee, so it's likely a mild MCL sprain. And as of right now, it doesn't sound serious, but if he's already got a poor matchup against Chicago this week, uh, this is definitely something to monitor if he's going to be limited on snaps. James Conner with a quad injury, he is also questionable. He left in the second half of the game against the Chargers, but it was a blowout win in which Pittsburgh didn't really need to put him back in. Connor remained on the sidelines, so the hope is that the injury isn't serious. However, it is worth keeping an eye on him this week. He's already had a couple of minor ankle sprains, but the drill has been that as long as Connor is back by practice, at practice by Thursday or Friday, he should be good to go. Chris Thompson with a foot injury, he's questionable. Thompson left the game versus Miami with a foot injury in the second half. Not a whole lot of details on this one yet, but he's had a litany of injuries throughout his career, so monitor his practice status this week. Todd Gurley with a quad contusion, questionable but likely to return this week. Sounds like it was a pain management issue for Gurley, but nothing serious. As long as he returns to practice by Wednesday or Thursday, Gurley should be a lock to come back, so monitor his practice status this week. Saquon Barkley with a high ankle injury. Uh, questionable for this week. He's been way ahead of schedule for his recovery. He's trending towards playing. Um, Keep an eye on his practice this week, but the overall reports are pretty optimistic that he's ready. Wayne Gallman with a concussion. Uh, He was out last week due to the short week playing on Thursday night, but if Barkley is back, then it won't really matter for fantasy purposes on Wayne Gallman here. And then finally, we've got Devin Singletary with the hamstring injury. He's questionable but likely to return this week. Singletary was close to playing against Tennessee two weeks ago. Should be ready with Buffalo having been on their bye this past week. At wide receiver, we've got Amari Cooper with a quad contusion. Questionable. He left on the first drive of the game. Uh, Supposedly, it's not too serious, but he's been playing through a bunch of injuries recently. Pain management is going to be a big question. This was a similar injury that Todd Gurley just missed a week with, so it's uncertain whether he will be ready. Uh, Dallas does play on Sunday night this week, so definitely have a backup plan in pay- in place come Sunday morning. Emmanuel Sanders with the knee injury, uh, he's questionable. Not a whole lot of details on this one yet either, but the Broncos sound mostly unconcerned. They're optimistic that Sanders will be a go on Thursday night. Uh, But regardless, because it is a Thursday night football game, fantasy owners will know ahead of time and won't have uh, that kind of lineup decision to make, as with Cooper on Sunday night. Philip Dorsett with a hamstring injury. He's questionable but likely to play. It didn't sound like a serious injury two weeks ago, but New England chose to hold him out, playing on a short week on Thursday against the Giants. Uh, Dorsett's had 10 days now, with New England playing on Monday night this week. He should be back for this one, but monitor his practice participation. If you own Cooper and want to roll the dice on him, uh, Dorsett could be a decent fill-in this week at wide receiver with his start time after Cooper's. Sammy Watkins with the hamstring injury, he's questionable. Watkins hurt his hamstring early in Week Five, with a short week and the playing against Denver on Thursday. We'll see if he's ready to return for this one. Monitor the practice reports on him this week. But even when he's been active, Watkins has been pretty disappointing in fantasy. Uh, Again, as with Emmanuel Sanders, it helps that we will know early this week on Thursday whether or not he's in. Sterling Shepard with the concussion. He's questionable. This is likely Shepard's, or excuse me, this is Shepard's second concussion of the season. So it's up in the air how long it's going to take him to clear protocol. Monitor his practice status this week. Devontae Adams with the turf toe injury. He's questionable but not likely to play. He's yet to practice since the injury. Uh, He's described it as quote-unquote major, so until we see him start practicing even a little bit, the odds aren't great of him returning. Christian Kirk with a high ankle sprain, he's questionable as well. It all depends on how his ankle is recovering, Um, but even the superhuman Saquon Barkley has missed three weeks with a similar injury, so stay tuned on whether Kirk has begun to practice and if he does practice, whether he's limited or full participation. Deshaun Jackson with a groin injury. He's questionable this week. It sounds like he's getting closer to returning, but it's anyone's guess at this point. Uh, Keep an eye on Jackson. Um, He may or may not be back this week. And then AJ Green. He's been recovering from his ankle surgery. Uh, Expected to return in week 7 at the earliest, but really there's no timeline right now. He could be out until week 10 after Cincinnati's bye and probably droppable outside of deep leagues. At tight end, we've got Will Disley with the Achilles tear he's done for the season. The brightest stars often burn out the fastest. Disley was a very exciting tight end to watch, a great fantasy tight end for those who missed on OJ Howard or others. Uh, All the best uh, for him going on IR two years in a row now, but he is droppable in all redraft formats. Jordan Reed, with the concussion, he's officially been placed on IR, so hopefully you dropped him weeks ago, but if you're holding, you can officially drop him now in all redraft formats. And then Vernon Davis, with the concussion, he's questionable as well. He may return and have some opportunity with Reed now on IR, but even if Davis does return this week, he's likely to split time with Jeremy Sprinkle against a tough San Francisco defense. And kicking off the waiver wire ads here, we've got our quarterbacks. First up is Daniel Jones, 41% owned in ESPN, 29% in Yahoo. Uh, Jones as a legit mid to low end quarterback one this week with Barkley, Shepard, and Ingram all potentially returning against a poor Arizona defense that's been top five in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. This should be another high scoring game on both sides, much like Arizona versus Atlanta was on Sunday. We've also have Gardner Minshew, 55% owned in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. Minshew struggled against the Saints, but he should bounce back in a great matchup here against the Bengals, who have been top 10 in fantasy points allowed to opposing quarterbacks. The only concern is if the success of the run game limits his passing volume, but Minshew is a great high-end quarterback too this week. Jacoby Brissett coming off the bye, 46% owned in ESPN, 42% in Yahoo. Outside of the Colts' run-heavy game against Kansas City, Brissett has scored at least 16 fantasy points in his starts this year. Like Cincinnati, Houston's secondary has also been top 10 in fantasy points allowed to quarterbacks, and the Colts are fresh off their bye with T.Y. Hilton fully healthy. At running back, first we have Devin Singletary and Frank Gore. Singletary is 65% owned in ESPN, 68% owned in Yahoo, and Gore is 56% owned on both sites. It's getting pretty desperate out there if you need running back help, so we're still cheating a little bit uh, listing these guys who are a bit over 50% owned. Singletary and Gore both have a great matchup against Miami. Both are flex plays this week. Naheem Hines at 35% in ESPN, 16% in Yahoo. If you're desperate, Houston has been tough to run on but have given up a ton of receptions to opposing running backs, including a touchdown on a screen to Damian Williams this past week as well as a huge 52-yard catch-and-run to Darrell Williams. As the best receiving back for Indianapolis, Hines could break a big player too this week. Benny Snell, 2% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. The injury to James Conner doesn't look too serious, but Pittsburgh has been very run-heavy and integrated their running backs into the short-passing game to help that second- and third-string quarterback out. Snell's a low in flex if desperate with Conner active, and he'd be a high upside running back too if Connor were to miss time, with Jalen Samuels already out for the next month. Chase Edmonds, 23% owned in ESPN, 34% owned in Yahoo. Edmonds has now scored twice in two weeks as a receiver. Though his upside is limited as long as David Johnson's healthy, Edmonds is a running back four with some upside due to the sheer number of plays that Arizona's offense is running every week. He has some upside again against a poor Giants defense and would have a running back two upside if Johnson were to miss time, possibly even running back one. Duke Johnson, 61% owned in ESPN, 64% owned in Yahoo. Hyde is the better Houston running back for fantasy right now, but he's also owned in most leagues. If you're really desperate, Johnson is still a dynamic running back with playmaking ability. The Colts are a tough matchup for running backs, but he showed against Kansas City that he has the elusiveness to get yards after the catch if the Texans end up trailing in this one. Golden Tate, 63% owned uh, in ESPN, 61% owned in Yahoo. will kick off our wide receivers here. Tate had that huge 64-yard touchdown against New England. That was a fingertip away from being broken up, but he should find plenty of success against an Arizona secondary that's sorely missing Patrick Peterson for one more week. Tate is a mid-range wide receiver three with upside this week with a great matchup with or without Sterling Shepard active in this one. John Brown, 57% in ESPN, 67% in Yahoo. Brown's floor this year has been four catches for 51 yards, and now the Bills are fresh off their bye, playing a horrendous Miami defense at home. Brown's upside could be limited somewhat if Xavier Howard is healthy and follows him around, but Brown has a high enough floor due to target volume and a huge ceiling if Howard is out again. DK Metcalf, 63% owned in ESPN, 59% in Yahoo. Metcalf's getting open for big catches downfield and he's been tough to bring down after contact. Against an injured Baltimore secondary, this one could be a high scoring game and Metcalf should get a few opportunities to make some big plays deep. Jameson Crowder, 58% owned in ESPN, 42% owned in Yahoo. This is a poor matchup against New England here, but Darnold showed that he's very willing to target Crowder now that he's back healthy. Crowder could have close to double digit catches, but for little yardage in this one. He's got a safe floor due to that target volume. He's a low end PPR flex play this week, with some upside rest of the season. Muhammad Sanu, 52% owned in ESPN, 60% owned in Yahoo. Sanu wasn't targeted much against the Cardinals, but against the state or excuse me, but given the state of Atlanta's defense, Matt Ryan is going to be in plenty of shootouts here. The Rams offense is still dangerous and should score plenty against the Falcons this week, forcing Ryan and Sanu to keep the pedal on the metal. He's an inconsistent flex play, but with upside. Darius Slayton, 6% owned in ESPN, 3% owned in Yahoo. As we mentioned with Golden Tate, Slayton has a beautiful matchup here this week against the Cardinals. If Sterling Shepard remains out with concussion symptoms, then Slayton could be worth starting in fantasy. He's shown chemistry. With Daniel Jones and has the speed to get open deep. Slayton would be an upside wide receiver foreplay if Shepard were to miss this game. Duke Williams 1% owned in ESPN and Yahoo. As mentioned about John Brown, Miami's a great matchup here. Williams stepped into a bigger role with the offense after Zay Jones' release. and Williams is primarily a big slot player who can make those contested catches And if Xavier Howard does end up limiting John Brown's effectiveness in this game, we saw Robert Foster last year have some fantasy value as a boomer bust wide receiver four with Josh Allen's big arm, and Williams has similar upside here. Moving on to the tight ends, first off we've got of course Hunter Henry, 54% owned in ESPN, 63% owned in Yahoo. Hopefully you preemptively picked him up last week so you don't have to spend a ton of fab but if you lost Disley or if you need tight end help in general and Henry is out there in your league, he could be worth bidding all your remaining fab budget on this week. There was a lot of catch-up game script against the Steelers, but Henry is clearly one of River's most trusted targets, especially in the red zone, and he's already the fantasy tight end 17 despite playing only two games this year. Dawson Knox, 3% owned in ESPN, 8% in Yahoo!, Like we said, tight end is pretty much a wasteland outside of the top 6 or 7 guys, and Knox has really become more involved in Buffalo's offense the last few weeks prior to their bye. He has the big playmaking ability and could have a chance to catch a few long passes or even a touchdown here against this bad Dolphins secondary. Chris Herndon, 18% owned in ESPN, 27% in Yahoo. Herndon is not a recommended play this week against tough Patriots defense, but From Week 9 on, he has a great schedule, gets to play Miami twice, the Giants, Washington, the Raiders, and the Bengals. This Jets offense is improving with Sam Darnold back healthy, and Herndon could be worth stashing preemptively if you have the bench space. And finally, Ben Watson, 2% owned in ESPN, 1% in Yahoo!, It's not super reassuring that the Patriots released Watson last week, but now that they've re-signed him, he does have some upside for teams desperate at the tight end position, especially in deeper leagues. At defense here, we've got the Titans, 76% owned in ESPN already, but only 50% owned in Yahoo. We'll see if Mariota or Tannehill ends up starting this game in the next day or so, but this defense has played fairly well overall. And they get to face a reeling Chargers team that just got humiliated at home by the Steelers. Rivers could turn the ball over again a couple times in this one, missing his starting center and left tackle. The Detroit defense playing tonight, 3% owned in both ESPN and Yahoo. We'll see how they do tonight uh, against the Packers, but they were playing pretty well so far. Plus, this is a Lions team that's uh, already given Patrick Mahomes and company a hard time prior to their bye. You could do a lot worse, and even though Minnesota's offense dominated that poor Philadelphia secondary, they've struggled against better defenses. So, still a chance for Detroit to do well in this one. And at kicker, uh, we've got Mike Nugent, 31% owned in ESPN, 37% owned in Yahoo. Nugent's ownership percentage is still surprisingly low, considering that he's basically the new Stephen Gaskowski. He struggled on a very windy night with winds up to 20 miles per hour against the Giants on Thursday, but he still knocked in 5 extra points. He should be owned and started in far more leagues this week against the Jets. And then we've got Zane Gonzalez and Algec Rosas. As Gonzalez we talked about last week, still only 59% owned in ESPN, 25% owned in Yahoo. And then Rosas just 11% owned in ESPN, 9% owned in Yahoo. Last week it was the Cardinals against the Falcons, and both Gonzalez and Matt Bryant both had ample opportunity for field goals in that high-scoring game. And it's the same story this week, but sub in Aldrich Rosas for Matt Bryant. And as always, uh, the work is never done. Whether you're five and one after this week, or two and three, or excuse me, two and four, I guess. Um, Uh, Whether you're contending, whether you're not doing so hot and fighting for that playoff spot, you can always ask us specific questions about your team and or league. My name is Mung. You can reach me on Twitter at FFA underscore Mung. That's M-E-N-G.
0: And this is, of course, Los. I'm at FFA underscore Los. I think I I bring this up every year about this time, the storied year where I went 0-6 to start the season turned it around through free agent ads couple shrewd trading moves and actually well came in second that year i wish i could say i won and turned it into a massive cinderella story but owen six it's pretty bleak don't give up please don't give up you can also get a hold of uh, super producer dan tell him how great he did this episode at ffa underscore Dan. And then, of course, subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. We're available on iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, and SoundCloud. Whether you're listening to us on your computer or a mobile device, we will have something for you to listen to on your way, Tuesday morning. Boom.
1: And as always, it's a fantasy world, and we're all just addicts in it.
0: Thanks, addicts.